it always sneaks up on me. Every time, it is too hot, too summery for this to already be time for school to start again. Now, not everybody is affected by the school year, but if you live in Denton, even if you weren't aware this was going to happen, you will be, because you know what's going to happen, right? Traffic's going to change, the patterns are going to change, and if you're on a one-way street, watch out. <laughs> Those lights up ahead at the top of the hill may be someone coming your way when you least expected it. So, whatever it is that fills our day, whether we're starting a new year for school or a job or going on interviews or we have a new adventure or it's just time to go home and, and embark on the rest of life. Sometimes we do that with joyful anticipation and sometimes we do it with a little bit of anxiety because we don't really know what's going to happen, do we? And maybe we're doing that right now with uh, maybe a fresh sense of whether it's going to be safe or not when we go. What it would be like, let us imagine, to live in a world without fear, knowing that when we leave home, we're going to come home again, safe and, safe and sound, that we can shop for school supplies, that we can go to a festival, that our loved ones leave the house and we're all going to come back home to the nest. Instead of being a little more vigilant than we used to be and keeping an eye out to know where the closest exit is, just in case. Imagine being in a place where the norm was that we were always welcome. The way I hope it feels for you here today. A place where we are seen and known and appreciated and that our loved ones are seen and loved for their own unique gifts. Even loved without limits. We're in the middle of this series called Small Story, Big Story that Jonathan Perry, who is our pastor and who's taking a little break this week, has been leading us through looking at stories that appear small and yet we are finding that they tell a bigger story about the kingdom of God. And we say kingdom because that's a much more vivid and, and true picture of this realm of our creator. It is more about the family of God than some kind of hierarchy, than someone being a king over us. It is a place where everyone belongs. In the parable of the wedding feast that we heard today from Jacqueline, that seems like a small story, we discover that every one of us has a place at the table. There's a place in this story I think we'll find out for you and for me. So that's the question that we're asking today. Why can't my reality, my school, my work, my home, my church, my city be more like the kingdom of heaven? I invite you to pray with me. 
loving God, we come to you seeking. Open our hearts, free our minds, illumine our imaginations. Show us that you are for us and that we are for you. Speak, and may we hear only you. Amen. Amen. So I believe, in my own observation and theology, that we are all seekers. Everyone is searching for something, even those who don't know what it is they're looking for. To be human is to be filled with longing, with desire. And we believe, I think, that if everything were just the way we think it should be, for selfish reasons or for very generous reasons, that all our desires, when fulfilled, would lead to a perfect world. And sometimes we get a glimpse of heaven right here on earth. And that is the image of this wedding feast today in the parable. A wedding celebrates a new beginning for two who are united in matrimony. Friends and loved ones gather to celebrate. They put their differences aside, we hope. We're all on our best behavior, please God. And we're going to celebrate, we're going to eat and drink and be merry. Oh yeah, in their presence, right? So a bit of context here about this time when Jesus told this story that will give us a little more about what's happening here. In the Middle East, weddings were a little different than they are for us now. The custom was for the host to send out invitations by way of a messenger and the answer would be received at that time, and almost everyone said yes, because a feast was the highest form, the most gigantic celebration event that there was, that anyone could imagine. But the exact time that it would occur was not yet determined. So then the invited guests could put their affairs in order. They could get a sitter if they decided not to take the kids. They could kennel the dog. They could maybe figure out what they were going to wear. And they could be ready for time away from their usual responsibilities. Because the party, when it did happen, might last all day and all night and maybe even a lot longer than that. Meanwhile, the host would be making ready preparing food and drink and setting the tables and making a place for everyone. And then when the goats were roasted and all juicy and tender and the wine was ready to pour and the tables were prepared, the servants would go back out to those guests and say, come now, come for everything is ready. And the guests were expected to be ready when they were called. And that's not what happened in this story, is it? These same guests, the ones who, who took out their tablet and clicked yes on the Evite, when that wedding day arrives, they decide not to go. And why do they refuse to show up? Well, one has a new piece of land, maybe the way we would feel in a new home. Another one has 10 new oxen. That's five yoke of oxen, two each. 
and they want to try them out. They cannot wait. Today. And then one decides that he can't attend because he himself has just been married. Now you'd think he might understand a little bit better how important it is to show up when the party's going to begin. And I apologize for so much male language. This is the way the story is told. This is the culture of the time. We can still kind of get the meaning here and find our place regardless of how we identify. At this time, when a man married, he was given a year with no obligations to serve in the army or to work or to harvest. And that whole year was devoted entirely to the new bride to the couple coming to know each other and begin their joyful life together. So that kind of fits. Maybe, maybe that was okay, maybe. So far, the guests are invited, and they accept, and then they're called, and then they stand up the host. And we're still waiting for the party, right? So now, with this fuller picture of what is happening, I want to ask us to go a little deeper and imagine ourselves taking part in this parable. Where do you find yourself in the story? Are you an invited guest? Are you inviting or calling the others to the table? Are you like this host? Do you love to bring people together to gather and celebrate? And we could ask ourselves, have I ever said yes, and then when the time came to show up, decided not to go? Have I ever been so wrapped up in a new relationship or a new game, a new pet, that it stopped me from keeping a promise? But there's more to this story, so keep looking for your place if you haven't found it yet. When the host got word that some of the guests weren't coming, more people were invited. Are we the ones who weren't on the A-list? Have you ever been invited at the last minute? And did you take that short notice as an insult and say, no thanks, I have plans? Or maybe you were glad to be invited even at the last minute because you really wanted to be part of the celebration. Is it possible that I am in this second group? Could I be the one who is figuratively or spiritually poor or disabled, even in my heart, or blind? Even after these came, there was still more room. A third time the servants are sent, together the last and the least I wonder if I'm one of those. In the movie version of this parable, these may be the others, the travelers, those who are seeking asylum. Without a means of income, maybe they're homeless, relying on the kindness of strangers, or somehow outside the sphere of the community. Where in this story or in this greater scheme of things is my place? Do I have a seat at the banquet table. And if I do, if I think I have a place, am I going to look around when I get there? 
will I notice or care who is absent from our table? Jesus tells this story to an audience made up mostly of people who were raised in the Jewish faith. Some are Jews who have become his followers. Among the Jewish people, there was an ancient belief that when the Messiah came, when the Savior of the Jews came at last, at the end of time, there would be a great feast, the heavenly banquet, the messianic feast. And everyone who was worthy would be able to gather then. This was a ginormous communal feast that was the greatest imaginable event of all time. Gathering all the chosen people, the A-listers, the Hebrew people with the Messiah. And Jesus tells this story knowing the audience had this expectation, even many of the Gentiles. It was a given. It was what they believed to be true. It's how they were raised. It's what their parents had taught them. And then here's what Jesus does time and again. Jesus takes the shared assumptions and he turns them on their head. The ones invited to this great feast, the Jews, are the same ones who reject Jesus and refuse to show up when they're called to accept that he is their savior. They are the ones the host is most angry about. They dishonor their host, who is God. They diss the others who are invited. So they are not worthy. Now the ones outside, not the Jewish inner circle, now the Gentiles are invited. It is our loving God who widens this circle of embrace, expanding the guest list to include all who will come, the non-Jew, the tax collector, the lawbreakers, the prostitutes, you know, people like us, people like me, people like you. It's a fantasy, isn't it? This version of a perfect world that is promised, but not yet. It doesn't mean it isn't true. It's coming. The host is making preparations now. Are we? So I want to step back just for a moment to what Jesus said just before this story began. There's an even tinier story just before it. Jesus, Jesus had noticed that most people would find the best place at a table when they went to join others. And they would take that prominent seat. And Jesus said, don't do that. Take a humble place. Take the lowest seat. Jesus told us not to put ourselves above others, not above anyone, ever. Is that really possible? But what if the other is really inappropriate? What if they had done some terrible, heinous thing? What if one of those people think they can sit wherever they want, even next to me. Friends, we really need to examine where we think our place is. No matter how woke we think we are, we have blind spots. And it's natural. It's the way we're raised. It's our education, our lack of it. 
It's what our friends think. It's what we value. Can we hold on to those assumptions and still be able to take the lowest place, no matter who steps up ahead of us? Because here's what's following Jesus really boils down to. It is one simple rule. It is the law of love. It is love God and love neighbor. And we've heard it before. Everything hinges on this simple, not so easy task. It means that the way we love God is by loving others. It means giving them the best place, letting myself be second or third or even last. And then this goes even further. When we come to the table, to this table, last week this was our communal table. It is a symbol of a place where all of us are welcome and all of us feast together. Before we enjoy our blessings and before we eat and drink, first we look around and we say, who's not at the table? If this is not your first time at Open, take a look around. Who's missing? And then we're supposed to go out and find those missing people in the streets, in the lanes, in the gates of the city. The last, the least, the lonely, the anxious, the unwashed, even the enemy. And we bring them back here, right here with us, to this table before we can share in a feast. In the kingdom of heaven, this is the first that Jesus is talking about. In the first place, where is my brother? Where is my sister? Where is my sibling who needs to be at the table with me, with all of us, and with Jesus? Well, that is just like Jesus, isn't it? to tell us a story like that and give us a job to do, something that I'm not sure I want to do, I'm not sure I can do it. Well, don't we have a right to eat in peace? To sit down at our own table and eat the food that we paid for with the money we earned? And sit with our family who know how to behave, usually? And with our friends whose company we prefer because they don't offend us? I wonder about that a lot, and I think it's time to consider why we might need to pay closer attention to our table, to this table. Better attention to who's here and who is not. Only last week, in two very distant cities, in El Paso and in Dayton, Two very different men destroyed the peace and they ended any sense of safety along with the lives of innocent people. Lord have mercy. One thing we know about perpetrators of mass shootings is that they tend to be isolated from others. Often they are alienated, maybe excluded. In some way, for some reason, less and less they are in the company of their fellow human beings. These are our siblings in Christ. They were not at our table. And I won't talk about weapons or mental health today, enough of that, but we need to consider this a moment. Emptiness. 
There is a gap, a void, when there is an empty seat at the table, and it is the host who is God in our small story who wants those places to be full. When the so-called in crowd, the chosen ones, dis God and disrespected the other guest, God had every right to be angry. But God did not punish. Instead, God sent servants out again to keep inviting, to keep trying to reach further and wider and to bring precious children to fill the seats at the table because God is a God of fullness, not emptiness. This is our God of extravagant hospitality. When people are hurt, confused, rejected, often we become alienated. On our own, we get lost in our own cyclic thoughts. We try to make sense without others to ground us or guide us and show us the way out. Away from the table, we can get stuck in us and them, in in and out, in straight and gay, in old and young, in the rich and the poor. We fixate on our own solo perspective of me. We want to convince ourselves, I'm not the problem. It must be something else, some other group, some cause out there. And all these distortions are the lie that I deserve a place above the others. Separated from my community table, what is going to fill the gap, not humility, not welcome, certainly not unconditional love, but all of the distortions and lies that are the opposite. When I think about the host in our story, I'm reminded of something that happened when I was serving in another church not very long ago. I was walking with a group of people from a nearby church downtown back to our own, walking up the street, and I looked over to a thrift store across the street, which was part of our church's mission and ministry. And donations were normally brought inside, but someone had dumped a bunch of things kind of out back where they really weren't supposed to. And I noticed a woman over there in the middle of the day, and she was leaning way down and digging in these trash bags full of clothes, and she was frantically going through them. And so I left the group, and I walked over to her. I happened to have a collar on, so she knew I was something, probably official or scary. And I asked her what she needed. And she started making excuses right away. She started trying to explain herself. And so I told her about our store and why it's there and that our whole purpose is to help people. And I asked her to come inside. It was really hot. And I said, come in and have something cold to drink. Tell me what you're looking for. Come and look around for yourself. And whatever you need, if we have it, it's yours. That's what we do. And what a privilege it was to be in such a place. She stopped making excuses and looking around, and I think she finally heard me, and she looked me right in the eye, and she said, that's not what I expected. 
The extravagance of God's open invitation is not what we expect. Some of us still think something about us makes us unfit for a seat at the kingdom table. But our own ever-seeking, relentless God says, All is prepared. Come to the feast. You can bring your friends. Bring your enemies. Make sure the table is full. Emptiness, silence, every void is filled with this unconditional invitation and this welcome. This love of the one who made us and loves us and never stops reaching out and embrace. So, in this season that is so busy for so many, are we too busy? Are we otherwise engaged? Are we offended by a last-minute invitation? Do we still feel unworthy? I want to say, show up anyway. Come. Everything is ready now. Is it possible that life here and now can be the kingdom of God because we show up and because we go out and we keep sharing and extending that invitation everywhere we go, every day. What could happen? We know that thoughts and prayers are important, but they're not enough and that they must lead to action. And I think this is where we need to start. So in the story, did you find your place? We all have a place. We all have a task. And as we prepare to be sent in a few minutes for a new school year, for a new job, a new teaching position, for a new adventure or an interview, for the new day, I ask you, are you prepared and are you willing to go knowing that you belong and inviting others to join us at this table? For we are sent every day, ambassadors of this good news. There are no barriers and no insiders or outsiders. Only beloved siblings in this kingdom of God. And so we are indeed blessed and sent to invite. And so today, we have a blessing for you. <clears throat> if you brought a bag or a backpack or whatever you carry with you, your laptop case perhaps, we invite you to come forward with that or just bring yourself because the blessing is really for you and for you to carry. And we're going to gather with the children as they return. And you may come here or you may stay in your seat. Because whether you come for a blessing or you want to receive it where you are, we have another liturgy, a call and response of blessing to bestow on one another as we go forth to bring about this glorious kingdom that is here and now, and not yet. So for those who brought a bag, 
and I think the children will be back here in just a moment. I hope you got the message. We invite you to prepare. We have some little tags that are for everyone who wants one. They say blessed and sent to remind us of our charge and what we have received. And these can go on a bag or they have a little hole for your keychain or put them wherever you would like and they have open on the back and all the beautiful colors of all the different kinds of people that we will encounter whom we will invite to welcome. Come join us up front if you brought a bag, if you brought your pack, and let's come to the table and let's be blessed together. I'm going to come down all the way down front there. Come all the way up. Just gather, just gather around. And let's turn and look at all of the beautiful people who are going to bless you, and you're going to bless them. Life with, with God, as we know, is life on the go. So we call this blessing a blessing of the backpacks and all the bags. And I invite you now to join us. The liturgy is going to be up here in just a moment. Those blessing are all of you. When you open your backpack, receive these blessings as you breathe in the breath of the Holy Spirit. And this is your part. We are blessed and sent. We fill your bag with our love. Reach inside to receive the truth. Your shield and guide. We are blessed and sent. We affirm your gifts. We are already blessed, intelligent, capable, creative, strong, wise, and kind. We are blessed and sent. Remember, we are praying for you. We pour blessings in our offer you to fill this bag or backpack we promise they will continue to flow that in Jesus name you will never be empty we are blessed and sent and so I'm gonna share with you all the tags you can do whatever you'd like with them, and you can take one to a friend or a sibling if you'd like to. And as you take these with you, and all of you are welcome to come and receive whenever we finish up here. There's all kinds of colors and styles to choose from. It's a lovely thing to have a little something that we carry with us to remind us of who God is for us, and who we are to God, to ground us in our blessedness and remind us that we do have something important to do. Always be inviting, always extending the grace and the love that's been given to us. And as we finish 
up our time here and remember that all of you who are seated and in the back and all of you who will come later have been blessed and also are sending. Let us pray together. Let us pray. O loving creator, provider of the feast of blessings in our lives, we fill each one in this house today and bless them in your name with your peace, your protection, courage, and love. We fill them so that they may receive hospitality and welcome where they go and share those with others. And always know as they bear the Holy Spirit within that you go with them as do all of our blessings and love and prayers every day. Amen.